Amen. Let's all uh, stand up. We'll get started tonight. Uh, turn into your hymnals. Check. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start preaching, I think. Uh, <clears throat> 32 in your hymnals. 32. Starting a little late, but that's all right. And uh, we'll start with uh, I Sing the Mighty Power of God. Nice old, old hymn. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowering seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to full at his command and all the stars obey on that second I sing the goodness of the Lord that filled the earth with food he formed the creatures with his word and then pronounced them good Lord how thy wonders are displayed where'er I turn my eye if I survey the ground I tread or gaze up in the sky. <clears throat> On that last, there's not a plant or flower below, but makes thy glories known. And clouds arise, like tempests flow by order from thy throne. While all that borrows life from thee is ever in thy care. And everywhere that man can be, thou God art present there. Amen. Amen. Uh, 291, higher ground, as the lightning comes crashing down around us. Amen. Run to some higher ground here with the Lord, pressing on the upward way. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound, Lord plant my feet on higher ground. Lord lift me up and let me stand, by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to live above the world. I want to live above the world. Though Satan's darts at me are hurled, for faith has caught the joyful sound. The songs of saints on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand. By faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I'll pray till heaven I found. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. <clears throat> Amen. Let's do one more before announcements. 375. 
since Jesus came into my heart. Amen. I hope it's true for you tonight. What a wonderful change Jesus gives. Amen. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have light in my soul for which long I have sought since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart. I have ceased from my wandering and going astray since Jesus came into my heart. And my sins, which were many, are all washed away since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, joy or my soul like the sea billows roll since jesus came into my heart i hope this third verse is true for you there's a light in the valley of death now for me amen let's sing that there's a light in the valley of death now for me since jesus came into my heart and the gates of the city beyond I can see Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart the joy or my soul like the sea billows roll Since Jesus came into my heart that last I shall go there to dwell in that city I know since Jesus came into my heart and I'm happy so happy as onward I go amen since Jesus came into my heart since Jesus came into my heart since Jesus came into my heart of joy or my soul like the sea billows roll since Jesus came into my heart. Amen. And you may be seated. Amen. What a change true biblical salvation gives people. I want to welcome everyone to services on this uh Hellfire and brimstone kind of evening outside. The Lutheran church down the street got whacked by lightning, and uh, part of its structure is crumbled in front of it. Um, I don't know. It, it was pretty bad. I was in there praying a little bit, and I, I'm telling you the truth. I said, God bless the services tonight, and all of a sudden, I think the same bolt that blew out that church went boom. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know if it means anything. Uh, but it scared me, and I thought, I'm next. I don't know. I got out of there. I didn't, I didn't know what to think. But it's uh, interesting stuff. Uh, we, uh, we have a special preacher tonight, Brother Gary Lucas, who is the pastor of our Russian language uh, ministry that's starting 
Uh, well, he's been working on a work, and Lord willing, he'll be relocating to Brooklyn. Uh, he's praying about that. Pray about that for him. He'll be our guest preacher tonight as our pastor's gone. Uh, Sunday, Brother Koi Shaw, pastor of the Igreja Bautista. I, I'm going to mess it up. Igreja Nova Vida, New Life. That's New Life Baptist Church. We'll be preaching Sunday morning. Uh, I'll be preaching Sunday night. Uh, next Thursday, Brother Ray Nielsen will be preaching again, and it's always a blessing to have Brother Nielsen with us to preach. And Let's see. Uh, we heard from Pastor. I guess he, he called my cell phone, and I leave that with Sharon. So I guess he said they're doing well. The van's doing well. Keep praying about the van. Uh, but it's it's getting them where they need to go. Amen. And uh, he, I think they're in Iowa. South Dakota. They're in South Dakota right now, and they're making their way to Washington. They're going to get to Montana tonight and then Washington by Thursday? Saturday? Tomorrow? They're making tracks. I know that much. Now, he said they were in the Badlands, but I went to public school, so I don't know where that is on the map, unfortunately. I, I should, but I don't. Um, I guess South Dakota, I could make a semi-educated guess, but uh, <laughs> a public-educated guess, I guess. Uh, but uh, they're doing well, so just keep them in prayer, and God will bless them. He's going to be doing this uh, family meeting that they're going to have out in Washington, so pray for them. Keep them in prayer. Uh, tonight we have, I didn't bring the worker schedule, but I guess after services tonight we'll do a little cleaning just to get things ready for Sunday. Saturday, well, there's a, there's a street fair on Sunday as well, and usually we would set up for it. But unfortunately, there's there's too many too many things going on and too few people to handle it. So, what I, what we're going to do is we're going to have a bunch just have a box of tracks. And after church, if you want to go out, hand out tracks, grab a stack, in between services or whatever. And uh, Saturday, though, I uh, I would like to have men's prayer meeting. Uh, so I'm going to be here at four o'clock uh, sharp. So uh, Lord willing, if you'd like to come or if you need a lift, give me a call. If you, not, if you need my number, I can give it to you. It's no big deal. Um, so we'll do we'll do that on Saturday. But regular visitation, we'll hold off since Sunday. We're going to try to use that time to uh, to do some minister ministering there at the street fair. And I believe that's it. So we're going to do one more song tonight, and then we're going to have Brother Lucas come and just preach to us. It's been a long time since I've heard him preach. I think he was just just back from Russia when I heard him preach here, and he wasn't yet with us uh, on board with the Russian language work. So uh, let's see here. What do I have? Oh, and keep Anita in prayer tonight because she, she is doing this, and it's it's got to be, I don't know. I, I have, I've in times past used a laptop and tried to type the message verbatim because I don't know sign language, and I know that in and of itself is a task. So just, just keep her in prayer. She... Uh, She's doing a good work, and uh, it's a blessing to have her before she goes back to school, because uh, otherwise I don't know if we'd have interpretation for the deaf. I'd, I'd probably be over there doing this. But uh, Let's uh, do, let's see, 697. 697, I think we know this one. Uh, if not, we'll go through it. My Savior, first of all. It's, uh, it's a beautiful old hymn. 697. i got to find it myself. I shall know him. 
When my life's work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, when the bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side, and His smile will be the first to welcome me. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, and redeemed by His side I shall stand. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, by the print of the nails in His hand. On that second... Oh, the soul-thrilling rapture when I view his blessed face and the luster of his kindly beaming eye. How my full heart will praise him for the mercy, love, and grace that prepare for me a mansion in the sky. I shall know him, I shall know and redeemed by his side I shall stand. I shall know him, I shall know him by the print of the nails in his hand. Is this, is this the first time for anyone here seeing this? <clears throat> Quite a few. It's a beautiful hymn. Just pay attention to the words. A lot of, I mean, they just, they really don't write things like this anymore. Fanny Crosby is a beautiful old hymn writer. Let's do that third. Oh, the dear ones in glory, how they beckon me to come. And our parting at the river I recall. To the sweet vales of Eden they will sing my welcome home. But I long to meet my Savior first of all. I shall know him, I shall know and redeemed by his side I shall stand. I shall know him, I shall know him by the print of the nails in his hand. Last verse, through the gates to the city in a robe of spotless white, he will lead me where no tears will ever fall. In the glad song of ages I shall mingle with delight, but I long to meet my Savior first of all. I shall know him, I shall know him, and redeemed by his side I shall stand. I shall know him, I shall know him, by the print of the nails in his hand. <clears throat> Amen. You may be seated. Brother Lucas, the pulpit is yours. Now, there I am. (laughs) 
Was that thunder? <laughs> Just Nobody takes it away from if you don't put it on your belt. But uh, I was on the way here when the same thunder hit, same lightning hit. And it didn't hit once, by the way. There were two separate times right on this street. And uh, all the alarms on every car went off. I mean, all of them. And I thought, OK, uh, <laughs> do I have the message I should have? Am I living right? Uh, is all well with my soul? But uh, my conscience was clear. And I understand it hit the Lutheran church, so um, God never moves without purpose, amen. <laughs> I'm only, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Forgive me. I shouldn't have said that. Bad way to start, but um, it's what happens when you uh, don't check your tongue carefully. But uh, in any case, I'm, I'm making noises and everything else, but we're going to get on to it. I wanted to spend a few minutes before I uh, start, after I've told you my... Uh, trip over uh, and just give you a, a little a few words of report uh, as as you know uh, the church open door does support me now which I'm grateful for I'm very grateful for that and uh, it's needed and uh, living in New York I think you understand what I mean that's all that's that's it as far as the work goes and uh, I'm really grateful uh, to you for an extra battery just in case <laughs> yes. Not that we're anticipating any special problems, but anyway. Uh, no, I feel that I, I owe you a report. Uh, missionaries are responsible to the churches that support them. I'm especially responsible to Cleveland Baptist Church, which is my sending church. Uh, uh, pastor Kevin Folger is my pastor, and uh, I, I feel a special responsibility there. But I feel uh, no, no small responsibility to each of my supporting churches. And so uh, just a few words of report here. And uh, it's another place where if I don't watch what I start to say, I could say too much just in terms of speaking too long on this. I want to get to the scripture uh, tonight. It's a privilege to uh, have the opportunity to speak and, and to preach the word of God. So we don't want to take too much from that. Uh, but I'm encouraged about things here in the Russian ministry. Um, I, I'd have to say of my time in, in New York that uh, none of it has been easy. And uh, I, that's just uh, circumstances and, and uh, various factors that are involved. But uh, I, I'm thankful that the Lord is working. And uh, I appreciate what he's doing. And uh, we've already been more than two years, actually two and a half, uh, here with the Russian ministry on Sunday nights. And as you know, this is not a, a particularly Russian-speaking area, and uh, that's a factor in the city. But I'm thankful to see people driving in and taking uh, transport in. Uh, you have to really want to. Uh, some folks here tonight I know came on the train, and, and uh, others drove. You, ha you have to want to. Uh, and I appreciate uh, the Lord working to bring uh, people. And we have a lady coming now that I believe is very close to salvation. Uh, she lives in Rigo Park, and uh, she called me a few weeks ago, uh, about a month ago, on the telephone from a, an old ad. We hadn't run this particular ad in, in a long time, and she found it in an old Russian advertising newspaper. It's, it's 400 pages, if you can imagine. Every week, a newspaper comes out just for the Russian community. It's 400 pages. It's, it's like a Sunday newspaper. 
and it's it's all ads, all in Russian. It's it's it shows you the size of the Russian community, and she'd found our ad from an old uh, paper left someplace, and she we talked for a while, and it was obvious that uh, she was didn't exactly feel comfortable around the Bible or, or hadn't really been in a Baptist church before, and so she asked some questions. And at the end, she told me her real reason for calling. You know, people come for reasons, and uh, it takes something to, to bump us out of our normal routine to even start to seek the Lord or, or to find our way to church. And with her, it was that uh, she was living alone, and and uh, strange things were happening at night. She'd go, to, she'd go to bed, and she'd be falling asleep, and she'd start hearing voices. And she's a very sober lady. I mean, uh, uh, just not the kind of, not an uh, unstable person in the least. And, uh, and, but things were happening, strange things were happening, and sounds, and things falling, and, and all of this. And, uh, you know, I was saved out of that kind of stuff. I was involved in, in occultism and, and Eastern religion before I became a Christian. And, uh, you know, the Lord uses those kind of things. I, I sure wouldn't go back and repeat it. If I had my way, I would never have gotten started in that. But whatever we have when we get saved, uh, even if it's uh, some experience we wouldn't want to repeat, God can use it. And so I was able to help her and encourage her, and she began to come. And, and uh, wow, you can just see the lights are going on all over, you know. Uh, I mean, she's really starting to understand the truth, and I had to kind of park in the messages on the Bible being true and the other things being false. Because there's something in the, the way Russian people think, and a lot of people think, is that, well, you know, all religions are true. Well, they're not. They're not. The Word of God is true. And so it's been a blessing to see her come, and I believe that shortly we'll, uh, we'll see her accept the Lord as her Savior, and, and that would be the first fruits of our ministry here, which would be wonderful. In Brooklyn, I've been in a long process of, uh, I've known almost since the time I got here that I needed to be working in Brooklyn. And it just has taken forever for me to get comfortable with the move, to get enough knowledge to feel the, like I know what I should be doing and where I should be. I began working with a young church and a young church planter in uh, Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, uh, a year and a half ago. And uh, it's been good for my experience. I've learned a lot. Uh, it's not been easy situation uh, ministry-wise. It hasn't been real good for uh, trying to start a church, which is really the only thing I, I have come wanting to do. And uh, so I, as of uh, this Sunday will be my last Sunday helping them. I would play the piano for them and have a Russian meeting at 10 o'clock, but uh, I'm going to be leaving there and working toward uh, concentrating on, on getting my own place of uh, ministry. I, I didn't really come to New York looking to start a church cold, uh, where you have uh, nobody and, and you just sort of open the doors and you, you start to work. I didn't really come here intending to do that, and of course that's not what we're doing here. We had a group and have a group, and we're trying to build on that. But Brooklyn is where the Russian community is. And if you want to do Russian work, you, you really need to be in Brooklyn. And I really want to do Russian work. And the, only, the best thing I know is to start a local church. And there's been a few confusing times. You know, I go to Brooklyn and, and start to work with this young fellow, and it, it isn't really working very well on the ministry side for me. It's okay for him, but not for me. And I'm going, oh, Lord, mercy, what is going on here? And I'm praying, crying out, you know. 
And uh, I mean, there were times where I came down to the promise that all things work together for good to them that love God. And uh, you know, if you really concentrate on that promise, you've got to figure out what's good, right? God promises it's going to be there. And I'm in the ministry, and I'm in the, by God's grace, I, I'm in the, the work of, of starting churches. And uh, when I got to that point where I had that promise to hold to, uh, I really had to realize, well, what is good? What is good is this church is good, right? Amen? I mean, it's not the only good thing in the world, thank the Lord, and it's not the only good church in the world, also thank the Lord. But uh, I'll tell you, there aren't enough good churches around. Amen? Uh, you have to travel to them. You have to seek them out. Every place that has a cross at the top of the building is not a place where you're going to hear the truth. That's a sad thing. The area of Brooklyn where I'm, I'm trying to get a foothold and trying to get uh, established, it's scary. I mean, I, I'm going over and uh, I began a survey after I knew that I had to leave the situation in Brooklyn that, uh, and, and start on my own. Uh, I mean, there just never were churches there. There were synagogues, Jewish uh, yeshivas, all kinds of Jewish institutions, Roman Catholic churches, but there were never Protestant churches. I'm talking about southern part of Brooklyn, what they call Gravesend and, and Sheepshead Bay, just at the edges, but the main heart of where the Russian community is, there, there simply never were Protestant or non-Catholic, non-Jewish religious places. There weren't. I've been all over it, and I think I can say that. That's scary. I, I don't understand that, and I... I uh, I know that God's way to reach this world is through local churches like this. There ought to be one on every corner. There's parts of the, there's places in the United States, in Oklahoma and, and uh, down south, where there are there is one. Maybe not exactly like this one, or uh, not quite as uh, as uh, high standards as this one in every way. But uh, where there are churches on every corner, but not so here. And that's that's why we're here. And so I, I'm thankful. Uh, for the opportunity to be working here and working to start a church here, I'm telling you, it's not simple here. It is not simple here. Rents are unbelievable. That part of Brooklyn just doesn't have shopping areas, doesn't have commercial areas, very few. It's not like here where you got 30th Avenue, you got Broadway, you got Steinway. I mean, you've got all kinds of commercial streets. That never happens in the area of Brooklyn where I'm working. You got 86th Street, and you got uh, a couple of other avenues with uh, letter names, and that's it. Some of those are Jewish areas where you don't necessarily want to put your, your cross up. <laughs> it's just, and, I mean, you have to be wise, right? And so by the time you start narrowing out all the places you can't be and where it's not wise to be or where the Russian community isn't, uh, it's pretty narrow. But the Lord can work in narrow places. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to... Uh, I'm looking at a place to rent. I'm just going to really compress this. I'm looking at a place to rent. I didn't want to start this way, but I will if I need to. Uh, starting in my own apartment. That's the way I started in Russia. I don't think that's the way to do it in New York, but you do it the way you can do it, right? You rent an apartment, uh, you, you meet in the living room, and you start because you got to start somewhere. And so uh, that's one option, and, and having found that, I, another place has opened that I'm going to look at it tomorrow morning. So please pray about that. Uh, I really believe, I truly believe that if, if I can just get a foothold in the Russian community and uh, a place to meet and a place to live and just start where I know I can be there and people know I can be there and you can advertise and give out tracts and, and just plant your feet, 
uh, that the Lord's going to bring people. And the Lord's going to raise up a work. That's, that's what happened here. Pastor Montoro came with his uh, small family then, young family, and, and just planted his feet. And he didn't leave, right? And he preached the gospel, and he preached, and he's still preaching the gospel, and the Lord's still adding to the church da daily or as often as it pleases the Lord that people be saved. Uh, he adds to the church. That's how it's done. And so I'm in that process, but boy, that first step, poor Anita. Are you okay? <laughs> just, just, I'm just thinking, my goodness, I wouldn't like to be translating this, but uh, I appreciate your work. But uh, in any case, uh, please pray about that. The, just the simple meeting place should be simple. It isn't. But uh, there's other things I'm going to share with you. I, th I think I'm on the schedule to, to be speaking again Sunday morning a week from. I'm going to give you an update. Hopefully one of these will have... Uh, materialized, and I have another piece of real interesting thing that I think the Lord is doing in the midst of doing. I love it when the Lord does something. I mean, I love it when the Lord does it, right? What we do is fine. <laughs> it's good, you know, sometimes it's not so good. But boy, if the Lord does something, it's really a blessing. So I'll share that with you uh, if it's, if it's uh, gone on further at that time. But uh, I don't want to take too much time from the message. Please open in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Again, I'm grateful for your support. That's what I, I don't know. That was probably too many words. It should be a simpler report, but pray for the meeting place. That's the main thing. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19. And I'm going to read from verse 19 to the end of the chapter, but I hope the message will be clear. It's a few verses to read, but... Uh, the message, the challenge tonight is to be the rare Christian. Be the rare Christian. Chapter 2 and verse 19. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi and he says this, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus short, shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. For ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father he hath served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and my companion in labor, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness, because that he had heard that he, ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you tonight that you allowed us to come to this place safely, and Lord, that you have protected us through this life that we might... Uh, hear the word of God one more time. Lord, that we might be encouraged, I trust, by the fellowship tonight and the singing and the opportunity to be 
uh, in your house together. Lord, I pray that you would bless this message, Father, that you would use it to encourage us and to uh, set before us what you really intend for each Christian. Lord, if there might be one here tonight that uh, has never accepted Christ as Savior, Lord, that there might arise understanding in their hearts of the truth that saves. Lord, may you help us to strive to be the rare Christian, that we might live for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Something surprised me about this passage when I, when I, I actually was preaching through it uh, in two or three months ago. And uh, sometimes there's things that you don't pay much attention to, but, uh, but we should. And there was something like that here. And uh, one of the things that surprised me in this place is that, I don't know why that's so scratchy and nobody else has that happen to him. It must be me. But um, one of the things that surprised me is that Paul, writing at the time that he's writing, and uh, with all that was going on in the churches in that day, he wrote what he wrote in, in verses 20 and 21. Right? He, he said this. He said, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. Now, there's something unusual about that, isn't there? If we, if we remember that... Uh, in fact, God was working in a, in a mighty way in those early days in his churches. In fact, every, every church meeting, every time that the church gathered together, literally there were miracles going on. People would, uh, would, would speak with the word from God because they didn't have the New Testament to work from. Uh, people were given the gift to heal. There were unusual things that were happening in that early, early day of the church. And uh, we see that the church grew mightily. And yet, Paul says this. He said, I have no man like-minded that will care for your state. Everybody's seeking their own, not the things that are Jesus Christ. Now, that, that struck me as very, very unusual. And, uh, what he say, and then he singles out these two men, Timotheus, uh, that he had led to Christ himself, and then Epaphroditus, who was uh, from Philippi, uh, as, as being examples that he could send them, right? They could be a help to the church. They could understand what was going on, and they could meet the need. Uh, but overall, he wasn't finding much of that. And uh, what we was saying, what uh, Paul was saying, was that these two men were, were rare Christians. They, they were the rarity. They were the exception instead of the rule. And uh, if that was true in the first century, I ought to say this, right? Uh, what would we say today? When I think it's safe to say that churches are not filled with miracles, uh, God is not manifesting his power in the same way. Praise the Lord, people are getting saved and churches are going forward. There's a lot of error, there's a lot of false teaching, a lot of churches that really aren't churches. Uh, we know of that. Uh, but in any case, what, what I want to put before us tonight is that we need to be the rare Christian. You know, there's metals that, that exist in such small supply in the world that they become valuable. How much gold do they, how much dirt do they have to go through? How much earth do they have to overturn to find an ounce of gold? Well, they have to overturn so much earth that every ounce that they find is worth $600 or whatever it is now, $650 or $700 for an ounce of gold. Can you imagine? Why? Because it's just so rare. 
It's bright, it shines, it reflects the sun, it's a glorious thing. It's, uh, people have valued it uh, as long as civilization has been recorded. It's valuable because it's rare. I remember when I was in, uh, in Russia and had first gotten there and I was living in the far east of Russia, what uh, people you'd call it Siberia, way in the east of the country by Alaska and uh, in a part of the country that was full of, originally it was settled as prison camps. You've heard of the Gulag Archipelago, right? That the, the system of prison camps that were all over Russia. Well, this was the heart of the system, was in the area that's called Kalima. And I had the opportunity to go there. I was living in the capital city of that area and uh, a missionary friend of mine and I, we took a, a trip and gave out tracts. We got in, uh, rented a, hired a taxi basically, and uh, he took us 500 miles around this ring road that goes through all of these old, these camp cities that were originally forced labor camps. People died by the hundreds of thousands in these camps. It's really awful. And they, some of them still look like camps. Some of them still have the guard towers. You can still see the guard towers standing. You know, they never took them down. It's an awful thing, but through one part of the trip, uh, you're going through what looks like mountains or, or high hills that are black. I mean, they're totally black. And uh, something about them, it doesn't look like God made them. It, it looks like they were there uh, artificially some way. And uh, we, uh, my Russian was not at a very good point at that point, and I asked the, I asked the driver, what is that? What is that? And he, he said, Uran. Uran, Uran, and of course I have Uran, Uran, that doesn't mean anything to me, right? And, uh, uh, but he said, <laughs> he made like, a, uh, like an atomic bomb explosion. I said, ah, uranium, Uran, uranium. He said, right. And what these, these mountains were, they were mountains of things that were not uranium. And they had overturned hillsides and valleys and mountains and, and actually series of hills just to find a little bit of uranium. It exists in an extremely tiny, tiny, tiny... It's rare. Well, the scripture's telling us here that, that, that Christians that are really where they, they ought to be, it's rare, <laughs> right? He said, none all seek their own, not the things that are Christ Jesus. And... Uh, uh, he, he has to search for a couple, but we want to be that couple that when the Lord looks from heaven, he sees the gold, and his light catches the reflection, right, uh, in us. He really wants us to be that, and uh, the scripture, this passage earlier in this chapter, they lay out how we can be that rare Christian. It won't just happen, it's a matter of our, our, our desire and our seeking, uh, to, to become what God really wants us to be and what he has saved us to be. First of all, to be the rare Christian, you need to be a Christian, right? No one will be a rare Christian until they become a Christian, right? Uh, and uh, how does a person become a Christian? Well, uh, I th most of us understand this, uh, but uh, we must be born again. This is what the Bible says, that... Uh, no matter who we are by birth, the person can be born the, the Prince of England, the, the son of the King of England, and he must be born again. Priests can be born to a, a Bible-believing uh, uh, 
child can be born to a, a Bible-believing preacher's uh, family, and that child needs to be born again. Every one of Pastor Montoro's children, they need to be individually born again. It's a tremendous advantage to them to, to be born in a Christian home, to be in a pastor's family, and to be in a, uh, a, a right-living, really uh, a godly Christian family. But boy, that doesn't get them saved. Every one of those children, from the tiniest to the biggest, they have either had to come to Christ or they will have to come to Christ in order to be saved. It's an individual matter. Everyone in this room, nobody's given salvation because they were baptized one day. I was baptized once when I was a baby. Didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. Got me wet a little bit. Right? Real scriptural baptism follows faith. You see, and we're saved by faith. We're saved by personal trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. That means that we acknowledge that Christ died on the cross for me. I remember when I was confirmed, I, I had very little religious exposure at all in my life. Uh, my family's not practicing in anything. And, uh, but they did send me to get confirmed, and we, we would say the Apostles' Creed which I believe in God, the Father, creator of kingdom of heaven and earth. And so it was just a statement of belief. I didn't believe it from the heart. They didn't tell me I needed to believe it from the heart. They just said, well, say this. And we'll confirm you after you say this. Mercy, it took another 13 years before I, before I heard the gospel and realized that I needed to be personally saved, that my sins had separated me from God and that I needed to be born a second time of God, to be forgiven and washed of my sins in the blood of Christ. What a wonderful thing. You need to be a Christian first. What a, what a wonderful matter to, to be saved, to be forgiven, to be washed, all the past washed away, and to have power for a new life. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. You need to be a Christian from the, from the first. And then you need to be an obedient Christian. If you're going to be a rare Christian, it's a matter of obedience. You know, we're in a world that, that doesn't even like the idea of obedience. It, it's scary. The, uh, it, it, some of the things I see with, with parents and their children, mercy, that, it, it's, it's terrifying. I, just the defiance and everything else that's going on. And, and, uh, and the parents, and I'm talking to Christian parents sometimes, not really understanding and not really dealing with it. And, and they need to. We need to, because the Christian life is about obedience. Jesus is the Lord, and we are to obey him. And in that, of course, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he's the example. Look at verse uh, 6, please, if you would. Same chapter, chapter 2 and verse 6. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the example in everything. Uh, you you just, just follow him. And uh, we follow him in obedience. He was perfect in obedience. He was wonderful in obedience. Verse 6, who being in the form of God, Jesus was God and is God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. No one could say, oh, you shouldn't say you're God because you're not. Of course, he was fully, no robbery, full right to the title, but made himself of no reputation. He was born in a manger, born humbly. It, it was uh, the, the, you could tell by the sacrifices that Mary offered, not the, the full animal sacrifices, but the sacrifices of a dove. That was what poor people did. You see? 
I mean, this is, this is God, the Son, the Son of God. And he makes himself of no reputation, took upon the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. There's the mark of obedience. Obedient unto death. Obedient unto death. When we think of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was obeying the will of God. Without his obedience and without his sacrifice and without his shed blood, there would have been no forgiveness for our sins. But because he did die for our sins, there's forgiveness of all of our sins. If we will repent and accept him personally, what a wonderful thing. It took a terrible act of obedience. And I use terrible in the, in the old sense. Something that makes you quake if you think about it. That's what the old word meant is to shake, terror. It meant that you shook at the thought of it. Think of the cross. Think of what Jesus suffered in obedience to the Father. Because no other way was there on earth or in heaven for sinners to be saved except by his death and his burial and his resurrection. Obedience. It's all about obedience, you see. And if we're going to be a rare Christian, it's going to be because we commit ourselves to be obedient to God. We're, either going to, we're going to always be obeying something, somebody. We're either obeying our flesh, right? Which, we're, which the habit of our entire life is to obey the flesh. But God has broken those chains. If we've been saved, God breaks those chains. And we don't have to obey the old master anymore. We can obey Jesus Christ as our loving and good and powerful and all-knowing new master, you see. And it's a matter of obedience. Salvation is a gift. We reach out our hand and receive it the way we, we do at Christmas and someone hands us a gift that's already been bought and paid for and we simply accept it from the heart. As it was given from the heart, we accept it from the heart. That's all it is. Once and forever, we accept the gift of the shed blood of Jesus Christ for our sins by our simple faith and we are saved. You see, that's the salvation of our souls. It's once and forever. But it's also a work in progress, right? Like they say, a work in progress. And uh, it really is. Look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, and we'll just see the work in progress side. And we need to understand both. If we're going to be a rare Christian, we need to see these both real clearly. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What that means is that when we get saved, God begins a work. And I, I've, I've got this little illustration that I think is really helpful to understand these two aspects of salvation. And uh, what we understand and what we know and what we feel sure of and what we have a full handle on is very important in the Christian life. Right? If things are fuzzy in our mind and we're not, we're not sure about them and we don't know what's going on, it, leads to, it just leads to development that isn't, isn't where, going where it ought to go because we're, not, we're just not taking hold of, what, uh, of the truth fully, and we need to. And this is an important point, and, so, uh, and I feel it, it comes up 
in this passage, all right? If we take this little illustration to help us to understand salvation, uh, it, uh, imagine, if you will, for a second, a house in a, in a really bad neighborhood. And uh, I tell you, I've been around a lot in New York. I haven't seen too many bad neighborhoods. I know they exist, but there sure are a lot of good neighborhoods, which surprises me. But, uh, uh, I mean, I'm from Cleveland, and, man, you don't have to go looking for bad neighborhoods. They're all bad. <laughs> They're almost all bad in Cleveland. I'm serious. And uh, New York's kind of amazing that the city itself is intact. But anyway, imagine a house in a bad neighborhood. It's falling down. It's in terrible shape itself. And it's full of people that are, that are I mean, it's a crack house. Or it's a house where evil's being done. And uh, it's, just, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's just an absolute mess. It's filthy. It smells. It's a, it's a disgrace to the community. And uh, every kind of evil thing is going going on in that place, but a wealthy man drives past that place one day. Very wealthy man, a very good man. And he looks at that old house falling down and in ruins and, and obviously evil going on there constantly, and he says, I want to buy that house. I want to make that house my own. In fact, I want to, I want to live there. And that wealthy and good man, having set his affection and having set his uh, attention and his purposes on that old house, he buys it. He purchases it. He pays a price for that house. And papers are, are written up and they're all signed and they're filed and it's documented and it's sealed and it's recorded at the courthouse and, and the copies are given out and it's official. That house has changed hands. It used to belong to whoever the owner was. It used to belong to the devil. Looked like it. And of course, I'm illustrating something spiritual here. So it used to belong to the devil. But someone wealthy and good who could see a glory in that old house that nobody else would ever see, looking at it, he bought the house and paid the full price. And the deed was transferred in a moment, and it was done. That's salvation. It's a purchase. It's a ransom. We are bought with a price, the Bible says, that God once and forever, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, when we trust only in His blood that was shed on the cross for our forgiveness, God buys our soul. He already paid for it on the cross. But we accept the price that was paid. And we become his. You see, that's the first part of salvation. And it's a once and forever. Don't let everybody, any, anybody ever tell you it's different. And say that you can lose your salvation, you can be saved and lost. No, 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 no. A price was paid for your soul that was adequate to buy it for eternity. It's the only kind of purchase that God knows. He doesn't buy and sell the souls of men. When he bought us with the blood of his precious son, that was done once and forever the day that we accepted Christ as our Savior, you see. But then the second part of salvation enters in. What, what kind of house is that? It's a mess. It smells. <laughs> it's all bad. What has to happen is, what the, I don't know, I forget what the official way it's called, but it's, it's a total capital, what's it called? Renovation. A total renovation. 
I think they call it, it sounds bad, but a gut renovation. That means you go and you take out all the old walls, you take out absolutely everything, and you start again. Well, that is what God does. That is what God does. Obviously, the evil that's going on in that house, it's changed hands. All of that gets chased out. Maybe not everybody at the same time. Maybe not every evil thing the first day. But God is in the business of cleaning that place out. Because this place is now for his glory. It's no longer to, sh to, to shame, but it's to glory. The amazing thing is that to guide this work, this renovation, this total renovation, the owner takes up residence in the house before the job is done. And he guides the entire renovation from within. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enters and dwells and abides from the first day forward. And he guides the work. He takes personal, it's, it's like, it's like the, uh, uh, what, do they, what do they call the boss? It's the, the, uh, the man, right? The, the superintendent of the, of the job site. He personally comes. He's the Lord. He has intended this. He's bought, uh, bought this for his glory. And he sees to the work. And we've got the blueprint. Amen? Here's the blueprint. Right here. Don't have to go looking. Don't have to go to the psychology section of your favorite bookstore. Leave Barnes & Noble alone. There's nothing there. This is the blueprint for the renovation. It's right here. It's mainly the New Testament, but you won't understand the New without the Old. You need the whole Bible to see what God wants to do. You see? It's what we are to obey. And what the, the point here is that we need to get with the program. Because God tells us where it's all going. God tells us what he wants to see at the end. And we need to cooperate with him. And the sooner that we cooperate with him and we make his blueprint our blueprint, the happier we're going to be, the more successful in life. You understand why things, uh, sometimes we fight with things and why are we frustrated and all that. But we can fight against God sometimes. Right? And we don't want to do that. We want to work with God. Right? Because God sees finally what he wants to do. And he hasn't hidden it. He hasn't hidden anything. When we, when we did some uh, renovation in, in, uh, in Russia, I'd never really looked at a blueprint. I mean, to really look at it. And, uh, you know, a blueprint, it lays out absolutely everything. I mean, it tells you what kind of brick and how long the nails are or what kind of screw goes in and all. I mean, it's all there in the blueprint. Why? Because, the, I mean, whoever the architect who designed the building or who made the, planned the renovation, he's got something exact in mind. Well, I guarantee you, God has something exact in mind, and the whole plan is here from beginning to end. And we need to just understand what God is doing, you see, so that we work with him. Unfortunately, it's, it's, it's rare. <laughs> it's rare that we, that we see that. And we, we fight against it, and we think, oh, maybe there's some other way or some blend of mine with God's. It's going to actually be better. I'm going to like it better. No, it's not going to work out better, you see. God's way is the right way. God's way is the good way. 
I mean, he's the supreme architect. He's the great designer. He made our bodies. He made our, our families. He made our souls. And he made salvation for both, for all. And our responsibility as Christians is to, to, to commit ourselves to, to obedience, to believe the word of God and to, to put our hearts into understanding what God has said in his word because really joy, I'm not just talking happiness, but joy is in understanding what God wants and seeking that along with him, right? Sorrow and confusion is not seeing it or, or fighting against God. That, that's, that's not what we want, you see? We seek we, we seek God, and we seek the will of God. He's not hidden a single thing. It's all out in the open. Jesus said, I, uh, he's not spoken to us like servants, but he's spoken to us like friends. He's not held back anything, but all that was profitable is made known to us in the word of God. The wonderful thing is, if we will follow the way that God puts here, and the plan, and let God have his way with us. I mean, just, just surrender, whatever it may be. We may be holding on to some aspect of our, the way we use our time or places we allow ourselves to go or what we allow ourselves to look at or listen to, and we really need to surrender that because that could be what holds up the whole construction project. Or it ends up lopsided. The whole, the whole construction isn't, isn't, I mean, God will smooth, he'll, he'll work around, I mean, he'll, he'll come back and he'll get it right. But there'll be a loss of time, there'll be a loss of opportunity because we didn't see what God wanted to do and work with him, right? And that's what's said in, in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, for uh, it, it is God which worketh in you. I think I meant to quote the scripture earlier. It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Don't worry about impressions on your mind, by the way. I'll just say this. God isn't going to lead you by impressions. He's going to, it's going to be by the word of God, right? He's going to be working in you to do the word of God. It's not like he's going to be working in you to produce impressions that are so, somehow unique to you or, or that are different from the Word of God. No, he's going to work through the Word of God in our lives if we'll just allow him. The Lord really wants every Christian to be a rare Christian. Right? And again, it amazes me that in the days of the apostles, Paul would write that and say, well, Epaphroditus, yes, and Timotheus, yes, but all seek their own not the things that are Christ Jesus, you see? In that day, if it was rare, maybe it's even rarer today. But whatever it is, it ought not be far from us. It's not far away. Here's the plan. God has given us all things. And if we will just trust him and commit ourselves to an obedient life according to his word, we will find blessing, we'll find his full plan being worked out in our life. And, and that is a worthwhile thing to have going on. We will never regret it. It's the reason that we're on the earth. It's the reason God saved us from hell, not just to save us from hell, but to glorify him, not just to take the, the old slum house and, and change the name on the, on the title. He wants to make that, that into a palace 
He wants to make it into a temple of the Holy Spirit that, that gives honor to God in all things. We're going to have a time of invitation now, as we do at the end of every service. It's an opportunity for you to respond if you'd like to come and pray. Maybe the Lord's spoken to your heart about a, a need in your life, an area of surrender. Uh, maybe you have a, a prayer need uh, that is on your heart. The altar's always open for you at the end of any service to come and bring that need to God. That uh, what we really want in our lives, Christians, is it's, it, it may be rare, but it's not far away. It may be few and far between, but it's not because God has hidden the truth. It's all open. It's all here. If we'll give ourselves to the Word of God, if we'll surrender ourselves to God and pray in the areas where we struggle, we'll see God work the things that He's really saved us to be and to do. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you tonight for your love and for your power. Lord, for the wisdom of your, your paths. Father, we thank you that you uh, brought us together here tonight and gave us the opportunity to hear the Word of God and uh, to sing praises to our Savior. Lord, may you help us to commit in our hearts and minds and souls tonight to be the rare Christian. Lord, I'll be honest, it, it stretches my, my understanding to believe that there was Epaphroditus and Timotheus and everyone else was set on their own. Lord, that's a, a tragic thought. Lord, help that not to be so with us in any way. Lord, may we uh, see your hand worked here tonight.